We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Women Worth Knowing. Jasmine and I are of the firm conviction that these women are so amazing, mm, um, how mm. God has used them. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're going to talk about some notorious ones. I keep promising that, but next week They're coming. is the week. <laughs> I've got I've got two kind of notorious ones Ooh. that will be very fascinating because I think it's important that we kind of know the ones that are um, maybe a little bit more controversial yes, as well and to know why they're controversial. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's also a warning. Mm. And also, you know, I was realizing the other day, the Bible is a book of contrast. Yes. Like it just always is showing you two examples and Mm. and leaving the choice up to you. And so I think what we're doing with these women is we're showing an example Mm -hmm. and saying, maybe this is someone you want to follow. But in a couple of weeks, we're going to say, maybe you don't want to follow this. Well, and those are memorable. You, right. They stand out like, whoa, I don't want to do that. Right. It's good. And every <laughs> single one of the women that we have featured mm. is um, is faulted. Yes. And human. Yep. And human. <laughs> and I think that's just the condition of life. Mm-hmm. And I I think that we have put, especially in this age of Facebook mm. and, and shaming and criticism, we have put too much pressure on women. I mean, mm. as women, don't we feel the pressure? Yeah. Like all the time we're supposed to be like beautiful, forever young, um, thin, uh, you know, healthy, mm. you know, aerobically fit. Right. And right. it's just a lot to answer to. Yeah. Plus we're supposed to be godly, always kind. <laughs> and I and never, never ever um have a fault mm. or say something that maybe is a little off. Mm-hmm. Because I know sometimes I've said things that are off and I'll tell Brian, he'll be like, I can't believe you said that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, whoops. But, you know, we're learning and we're in the process of growth. So we want grace. I was reading yes. this morning again in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, do mm-hmm. unto others mm-hmm. as yeah. you would like them to do to you. And that was because I was reading a corresponding verse in Proverbs chapter 24 or 25 that was saying, um, do not treat people the way they've treated you. Like, hmm. do not answer in kind. Right, right. But be kinder. Retaliate. So we're asking for a lot of grace yes. for these women because God used them hmm. in notable and um, incredible ways. Yes. Which brings me that I'm Cheryl Broderson, and I'm in <laughs> studio with another faulted human being. Yes. But who loves yes. Jesus like <laughs> I love Jesus. And yes. we have that in common, that we are faulted. Yes, absolutely. Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's really? wonderful. Yes. It's great because that l- lets God get all the glory. Doesn't it? And <laughs> do doesn't it remind us how desperately we yes. need Jesus? Oh, my gosh. Okay, yes. so I love right. the person you're featuring today. Right. So today we are going to be looking at Fanny Crosby. And she's probably a, a one that some of you have heard of. Right. I'm sure some of you know right, right. who she is. Uh, But uh, for those of you who don't, she is one of the most uh, significant figures in early American worship music. Kind of interesting. We're kind of switching gears a little bit here. Yes. And she's one of the great hymn writers in church history, really. Um, In fact, somebody said that she set more hearts and voices to praising God than any other woman who ever lived. And honestly, that's probably true. She wrote, get this, 9,000 hymns. Which is insane. That's like, man, she's just right up there at Eat Your Heart Out, Charles Wesley, because he wrote yes. about the same as her. They were like the ones that- Charles Wesley wrote, wrote about 9,000? Yeah, he wrote tons. I can't uh, remember exactly what the well, number they're was. they're rivaling but... Solomon, right? Yeah, they're, get, yeah. <laughs> they're getting up there a little bit. Wow. Uh, 
So um, if you actually, if you want to just get a visual of this, if you took 15 hymnals and stacked them on top of each other, that's how many hymns she wrote. And that's so it's amazing. just pretty okay, phenomenal. So what are some of her most known hymns? I'm glad you asked, Cheryl. Yes. So <laughs> probably the one that's most famous would be Blessed Assurance. I think Blessed that's Assurance. one that a lot Jesus of people- Jesus is mine. Yes. What a foretaste. Uh, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. That's another mm-hmm. one that's a old standard. To God be the glory. See, I grew up in the Free Methodist Church, so we sang a lot of these hymns. Right. Um, Safe in the arms of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, keep me near the cross. All the way my Savior leads me. Um, All Will Be Well, which is, this is a fun fact. This was actually featured on our School of Worship's hymn album that they did a few years ago. They actually did that hymn, All Will Be Well, which is one of her lesser known, but yeah. So, but yeah, these are, I mean, and so many more. I think Safe in the Arms of uh, My Dear Jesus Mm -hmm. is one that's lesser known too. That is, Char sings it, my son. Oh, he does? Yeah, well, he likes to bring those back out. I just love, love, love it. Mm -hmm. I heard it years ago when I was in England. Funny enough, in England, I heard that hymn for the, one of the first times. Oh, how cool. I love that Char resurrected these yes i do too really great (laughs) i do too i wish we had more because i love um speaking of hymns Mm -hmm. and the difference between a hymn and a chorus let's just say that real quick yeah um a hymn contains doctrinal uh truths Mm -hmm. usually very rich lyrically Mm -hmm. yeah definitely choruses are more simple and they're all they all have their place obviously in worship but hymns Mm -hmm. just really bring that that um, <laughs> that Elizabeth Elliot said that she learned doctrine through the hymns that she sang as a child. Mm. And that was one of the reasons that hymns, like even in the early church or even mm-hmm. in um, Israel's history, were to remind Israel of who God was. I love it. Who God yeah, is. Exactly. And so there are certain things, remember, they it was hard to find parchment. A lot of people were illiterate. Mm. So it would they would teach them a song that yep. would give them all the truths that they needed. Like Moses taught the children of Israel a song. Yes. So songs are incredibly important, especially hymns to the church. Yes. And it's not something we can afford to lose. No, we really need to preserve those. I mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I love, love that about hymns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, actually, you know, the modern hymn as we know it today um, was birthed out of uh, revival in the Great mm-hmm. Awakening and mm-hmm. that, well, even a little bit before that period. So, I mean, they were really the songs of revival to bring people to yeah. Christ, like you but were we saying. But we still have hymn writers who consider themselves hymn writers, yeah. like the Gettys. Yes, um, yeah. Keith and Kristen Getty and uh, Stuart Townsend. Stuart Townsend, yep. They're, they are yeah. hymn writers. Oh, yeah. I mean, Stuart There's Townsend writes both. Tell. He writes courses and he writes hymns. Mm-hmm. But the hymns, like um, How Deep the Love, mm-hmm. How Deep the Father's Love deep for the Us. Father's Love, that's oh. a very, yeah, mm-hmm. Christ Alone. Those Christ are so alone, great. Right. So, um, back yes, to, but back to Fanny. Anyway, yes. so yes, so she wrote <laughs> she wrote tons. In fact, she wrote so many that she started using pen names because she was embarrassed and That's didn't right. want the hymnals that, yes. to be full of her her name. <laughs> okay, but so what is phenomenal about the fact that she wrote these hymns? Fanny Crosby was blind. blind. This was what was the most mm-hmm. remarkable. I'm assuming that's where you were going with yes, that. Yes, absolutely. So this was what makes her all that she did even more amazing. So her story is, this is how it happened, folks. Yep. Gather around. Um, <laughs> so Frances Jane Crosby, that's her full name. She was born March 24th, 1820. Cheryl read a book that said 1823, whatever. It's somewhere in that region. <laughs> to John and Mercy Crosby in Putnam County, New York. And when she was six weeks old, she got an eye infection. So the family doctor was out of town. And so this other doctor came in and treated the infection like he probably would treat 
an infection at that time in a different part of the body, he put hot mustard poultices on her eyes. Mm-hmm. Now, that, like I said, that might have been fine mm-hmm. if it was like her arm or her mm-hmm. leg. Mm-hmm. But on her eyes, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it cleared the infection, like obviously, but it left so much scarring on her eyes that it blinded her for life. And it was so lame. I remember reading the story and, and, and thinking like, get that doctor. Well, as soon as it was found out what had happened, he like skipped town. He just mm-hmm. disappeared. Nobody ever heard from mm-hmm. him. So he was just a quack doctor, as they would probably say back then. Quack. But, under so much condemnation. Well, there's very po- that's Can very possible. They, yeah, they, they didn't really say make that clear. Like, did this yes. guy not know what he was doing? Did he? Yeah. So he just skipped out, which was a bummer. So, so this was very shocking, obviously, to the family. Oh my gosh, what just happened? And then a few months later, Fanny's father died. So all this tragedy, one thing on top of the other, and her mom was forced to go to work as a maid. Um, to kind of make ends meet, obviously, take care of the family. So Fanny was mostly raised by her grandma. Okay, but um, also, weren't there three sisters? Oh, gosh. I didn't get into all of the siblings and oh, stuff okay, like that. Go sorry. ahead if you want. No, yeah, sorry. no, I I saw a picture, and there she is with these three beautiful sisters. Yeah. And she's the, the one who's blind. Yeah. Fortunately, um, Fanny's grandma was a wonderful Christian woman. And so she read the Bible to Fanny. She explained the Bible to her. She taught her to pray. And so... Amazingly, as she grew up as a young girl, Fanny never was bitter about her blindness. That's what was so remarkable about her. She just grew up trusting, loving God, believing, okay, there's a purpose in this. And this is amazing. When she was eight years old, she wrote this poem. This was her first poem. And I'm just thinking like, whoa, what eight-year-old would Mm -hmm. have this kind of maturity? She said, oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. So weep or sigh because I'm blind. I cannot, nor I won't. Pretty amazing. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I I remember reading a story, though, um, because she was asked this question a lot. Mm. Are you angry at the Lord for allowing you to be blind? And she said, no, because the first face I will ever see Mm. is the face of my Jesus. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that was her outlook um, about that. And she accepted the blindness as a gift and even a way of God to open doors. Like this is, this is my mission field. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So many things really, and we've talked about this, I think on some of our other podcasts, so many things are about our perspective. Right. There's a lot of things we can't change in our circumstances. So she also learned to play the piano and she's very- Yes, she did a lot of instrument. Yeah. I mean, she's crazy. So uh, in fact, actually though, getting on, uh, going back to what you said about just her perspective, um, later in life, she said, blindness cannot keep the sunlight of hope from the trustful soul. One of the easiest resolves that I formed in my young joyous heart was to leave all care to yesterday and to believe that the morning would bring forth its own peculiar joy. So choosing to live in the moment God gave her, not to just sit and, you know, think about what, you know, how life done her wrong or anything like that, but to be like, I'm going to live today. I'm going to leave that with the Lord, move forward in the moment that he has given me. I just think, wow, such a powerful lesson. And, you know, she was, as you can probably tell, an optimist. Um, she really chose not to feel sorry for herself, um, but live in hope and and just be, okay, God, what do you have for me? What what's, You know, this is a gift that you've given me. How do you want me to use it? And she had such a zest for life that she really did end up going to do go, uh, going out and doing a lot of things that um, seeing people could do. Like she, you know, she learned to play the piano. She climbed trees. She rode on horseback. Yeah. Um, I, Where did she grow up again? She's in New York. New York. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. New York. And that's what makes this so phenomenal because, you know, lately, later she'll move to New York mm-hmm, City. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine navigating New York City? Because that was yes. a big yes. city even then. As a blind woman. As a blind woman. Yeah. She just didn't let it really hinder anything she did. It mm-hmm. just, you know, okay, I'm going to just move on and do mm-hmm. whatever I can. So she just had, like I said, such a zest for life. 
Um, there were a couple things. When she was a kid, she just told some some stories. I don't know if it was funny at the time, but uh, her mom gave her a pet lamb that had lost its mother. And so she wrote about how she would play out in the fields with the lamb and take naps with the lamb, like sleep on its woolly fur. and Not fur. Is it fur? Do lambs have fur? No. Wool? No. Yeah. <laughs> Hair? Anyways. So coat. when the la- coat, it's furry coat. But the lamb got a little bit older. And uh, so the family um, ended up killing it and eating it for dinner one night. And so I, th- I was like, whoa, that's so, that's not where I expected this story to go. <laughs> so Fanny, of course, refused to eat. She cried for two days. I she didn't eat the lamb. Yes. It was pretty devastating. There was another story she told about how um, she was allowed to pick any roses in the garden except for this one bush in the middle of the garden. And, you know, again, okay, crazy being, that she would even know. Yes, I know. But she or again, even she be in a awareness. field with lambs. I mean, how, yes. how does a blind person make themselves make their way back to a house from a field? I know. It's amazing. Or how know she that, had that sheep, kind of awareness. That lamb from the rest of the land. Totally. So it's just so remarkable. But she was told, I guess, again, her family just kind of treated her as just, OK, you're able, you're capable mm-hmm. and normal, mm-hmm. you know, quote, normal. So they told her she could pick roses in the garden except for this one bush in the middle. I guess it had white roses on it, which mm-hmm. she wouldn't necessarily know. But uh, one day, one of her friends asked her for a rose off that bush. And she said, OK. And she went and snuck the rose. Well, she didn't know her aunt was watching from inside the house. And so when Fanny came in the house, her aunt asked her, did you pick a rose from that bush that I told you not to? And she lied and said, no, she didn't. And so her aunt pulled out um, the Bible and read the story of Ananias and Sapphira to her. You know, about right, lying right, to the Holy right, Spirit. Right. Didn't say a word, just finished the story and said, okay, Fanny, you can go. And she was like, whoa. So <laughs> she, you know, she learned her lesson through that. But she was very quick learner. She was very intelligent. And again, I think this was part of her gift from the Lord. You know, she viewed her blindness as a gift. And the Lord gave her so much, um, so many abilities to compensate for that. It's so sweet how he did that. So what happened was her family moved to another town and Fanny got to know their landlady. Her name was uh, Mrs. Holly. And this woman um, challenged Fanny to start learning to memorize the Bible for herself. She said, okay, I can read this to you, Fanny, but I think you could memorize it. And so, again, because Fanny had such an amazing mind for memorization, for learning, she actually got to the point where she could master up to five chapters of the Bible a week. Wow. And so she came to know—this is crazy to me. She came to know the Pentateuch, the Gospels, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and many of the Psalms by heart, which it sounds like impossible to us, but really, if you, you know— Having that gift and then also really applying herself well, to it, think too, the Lord gave be- her the ability. Because of the deficit. Yes. Because of the deficit, she's concentrating on what she can do, and she's mm-hmm. putting her energies yep. into what she can do. I feel sometimes, like in our generation, mm-hmm. we're jacks of all trade, yes. but master of none. Boy, isn't that true? Because we we can do a, a lot of things pretty well but mm-hmm. we but it's very few things that we master yeah. and we're so distracted mm-hmm. there's so many distractions and i think that was one of the reasons she saw her blindness as mm-hmm. a gift because she yeah. was so undistracted mm-hmm. she could really like you said tune in and focus in on the word of god and so this strong foundation in the word was really what made her such a powerful hymn writer later on she said all that i am all i ever expect to be in literature and life is due to the bible so um in 1835 when she was about 15 uh, her mom had earned enough money to send Fanny to this brand new school in New York called for the, the Blind. Yes, the Institute for the Blind. And that was one of the very first schools ever opened 
for the blind. Oh, I love it. So very, I, mm-hmm. it was very cutting edge. Mm-hmm. This was a big deal. It and was. for her mom to be able to save and mm-hmm. send her there, this was huge. And so Fanny went there. She ended up studying there and then became a, a teacher there for the next 23 years. And then? And. Well, and oh, yes, I'll get there. I will. I'll and, get there. And. Yes. He's in here somewhere. Yes. He is in here, folks. Alexander <laughs> Van Alstyne. That's right. Yeah. And she, well, I'll go ahead and just mention that really quick. She married him in 1858, a fellow student and professor at the Institute. And at the time, she was 38 and he was 27. So, I mean, we're talking, a lot of these women went for younger men that we've been talking about. But of course, neither one of them could see each other. He was also blind. He was also blind. And he was also a musician. Yes, he was an organist. He actually ended up becoming a... uh, he used he actually wrote a lot of the music for mm-hmm. her hymns later. Okay, are we going to talk about? So, but going back, going back. Okay, so <laughs> well, wait, we'll get to the marriage a little bit later. Right, right. This is when you're going to find fault lines. No. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> During so while she was at the school though, um, Fanny became well known for her writing and her poetry. And mm-hmm. um, it was funny because the principal of the school thought it was kind of frivolous at first. He was like, "You're wasting your time. We don't want just a bunch of poetry writing here. We want you to learn how to, you know, do prop, you know." learn Braille and do all these other things. And so, but it was funny because a phrenologist, remember those phrenologists, like in Mildred Cable's story. So phrenologists would check for the bumps on your head and and supposedly tell you like what your specialties were or- Like palm reading. It's like palm reading. Mm -hmm. It's so silly. But this is what he said. I thought it was kind of funny. He said, I remember this. Here is a poetess. Give her every possible encouragement. Read the best books to her and teach her the finest that is in poetry. You will hear from this young lady someday. And so phrenology is a joke, but I thought it was funny that you know, actually, this ended up being um, an open door for her because right. the principal said, OK, fine, you can write poetry. <laughs> yes. Well, this was not a necessarily a Christian school. It no, was it just a school for the blind. Yeah, that's important to so note there, as well. So there just might not have been the appreciation for all these godly poems. Yeah, definitely Because not. her poems, for the most part, always glorified the Lord. There were yep. some cute ones, though. There were oh, some yeah, really she'd write some little lighthearted. Clever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, Well, she's uh, living at the same time as Emily Dickinson, too, which is really interesting. Oh, yeah. We got who was a reckless. Oh, you know, gosh. yeah, she was. That's right. So, but Fanny had such a charming personality, mm-hmm. and, and she did such a good job. Like I said, she was very clever, and and she learned quickly. That uh, she ended up becoming after she graduated and um, became a uh, professor at the institute. She also became kind of like a representative for them. And uh, through this, she was able to meet a lot of the great men and women of her day. Uh, she met Jenny Lind, who was a famous, a famous Swedish. singer. Yep, the Swedish Nightingale. That's and what she's known as. And a Christian, as. an outspoken Christian, too. Love it. Mm-hmm. So, and Horace Greeley, who we was the— We should probably feature Jenny Lind We should Lind probably go sometime. to her eventually. Mm-hmm. Horace Greeley, who founded the New York Tribune. Uh, she also met three U.S. presidents, James Polk, Martin Van Buren, Grover Cleveland. And it was cool because Grover Cleveland actually was uh, a secretary at the Institute, but way before he became the mm-hmm. president. Mm-hmm. So they were friends for years. Mm-hmm. He actually wrote a lot of her poems down for her. Okay, and also is something interesting is she was a diehard Democrat till she met him, <laughs> and that was like she voted she for him because over. Of I love it. Re, uh, the Republican, and then too she liked Abraham Lincoln because he was also um, she hated slavery. She yes. was an ardent um, abolitionist. Not surprising. Not mm-hmm. surprising. Uh, And it's sweet because Grover Cleveland, because they were such good friends, years later he wrote to her and he said, it's more than 50 years ago that our acquaintance and friendship began. And ever since that time, I've watched your continuous disinterested labor in uplifting humanity and pointing the way to an appreciation of God's goodness and mercy. So another man who loved the Lord and, you know, there was a kinship there because of their like-mindedness in the Lord. And I thought that was really neat. So uh, Fanny, this is interesting. Fanny obviously knew the Bible. She grew up loving God. 
But when she was 31, she had what she later called uh, a true conversion experience, probably more of a maybe a filling of the spirit Mm -hmm. where she felt a real assurance of her salvation. And she said she was singing Isaac Watts hymn, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. And when it got to the line that says, here, Lord, I give myself away to Saul that I can do. That was when she really felt like she surrendered everything. And then uh, she joined a Methodist church. We've talked about how great the Methodists were back in the day and what. Yeah, but the, the Methodists also, for that, there was a huge movement called the Holiest yes, Holy were, Movement. Yes, the Holiest Movement. And the Methodists are behind Keswick, too. Yes, and a big so part of that. The, um, which is an English camp where people would go to uh, be encouraged in the Lord and um, send on the mission field, you know, mm. get direction. Um, yeah. And it was in Northern England in the Lake District. Yes. But Fanny also. Um, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Keep going. Sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. No, no, no. It's all right. So getting into her hymns a little bit here and mm-hmm. how that all began to happen. Again, after this, you know, moment where she, you know, uh, experienced the filling of the Spirit and, you know, again, that that call to holiness and all that sort of thing, the Lord began to really uh, use her through her hymn writing more and more. Uh, her first hymn, hymn that she wrote, again, she's been writing poetry for mm-hmm. years. In 1864, she wrote her first hymn at the suggestion of a hymn writer named uh, W.B. Bradbury. He really wanted to collaborate her because he'd read some of her poems and he thought, mm-hmm. hey, Penny, you should really be mm-hmm. turning this into worship music for mm-hmm. the Lord. So they became really close friends. In fact, 30 years after he died, she told one of his family members, of all my friends, I loved him best. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask first for William Bradbury. So mm. they were such uh, good, great co-laborers for the Lord. Um, and so this kind of began to her began her hymn writing career that would last pretty much the rest of her life from this point forward. Uh, one of her other co-writers said of her hymns that there was probably no other writer in her day who appealed more to the valued experiences of the Christian life or who expressed more sympathetically the deep longings of the heart than Fanny Crosby. Some of that, I'm sure, was because of her blindness, because right. of the insight and depth in her own relationship with the Lord. So... Uh, she, through Bradbury, she got connected with the Bigelow and Main Company, which was a really big publishing firm back in the day. And they published at least 5,500 of her hymns, which is crazy. And they had a contract with her where they would ha- ask her to write three um, hymns, well, which would be poems, right? Because she's writing the lyrics mostly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they would three three a week. Three, write three for us a week, and we'll give you a dollar, one or two dollars per hymn, which back then I guess was good. I don't know. <laughs> to me, that's like, gosh, I can't even get a bean burrito for that. But anyway. Did you know, and, though, that she um, also contributed um, many of her songs to Iris Sankey's hymnal? Yes. And oh, I'm going to mention Sacred him. Sacred songs gonna, and yes. solos. Okay. No, no, no. That's good. Because that did. That was huge. So she would end up a lot of times, you know, like I said, they asked her to write two or three a week. Sometimes she would write six or seven in a day. Isn't that crazy? And just keep them all in memory for a while. In fact, one thing I read said that she, at one point she was able to keep 40 songs in her memory at once. It's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, um, but she did end up writing so many that sometimes she would forget. In fact, Ira Sankey, one time she was having a conversation with him because she did do a lot of uh, him writing, collaborating with him. Um And he, you know, as you might remember, I think we might have mentioned this when we talked about Emma Moody. Uh, Iris Sankey was um, Moody's right-hand guy and his um, worship leader, basically, in his crusades and outreaches. And so um, one time she said to him, now, Mr. Sankey, you have to tell me who wrote the hymn, Hide Me, O My Savior. And he said, really? You don't know who wrote it? You ought to remember. You're the guilty one. He's like, (laughs) Fanny, you wrote that hymn. She's like, I did? I mean, she really, I mean, I guess it was just- Well, if you wrote 9,000, you wouldn't remember remember, all of them. Honestly. Yeah. So- I can't even remember what I made for dinner last week, let alone 9,000. Or what I wore yesterday. I'm like, wait a (laughs) 
So um, she actually actually also had a knack for thinking up lyrics on the spot. Um, once uh, in April of 1868, one of uh, her co-writers, his name was uh, Dr. Doan, he showed up at the door in a hurry. And apparently he had a train to catch. And he said, Fanny, I have to catch a train in 40 minutes, but I have this this tune in my head and I need some I need some lyrics for it. And I, I know this is asking a lot, but could you just maybe give it a shot? And so she wrote and said, then followed a space of 20 minutes during which I was wholly unconscious of all else except the work I was doing. At the end of that time, I recited the words to safe in the arms of Jesus. And then Mr. Doan uh, wrote them out and had time to catch his train. So he copied it all, ran off to catch his train. So that's that hymn you mentioned before, safe in the arms of Jesus. That's how it was written. It was just a spur of the moment, spontaneous, you know, um, yeah, work of the spirit, really. And, and let me just bring this up. There are yeah. books that that tell the stories behind each hymn. Mm, I and love those. I love that. Yes. In fact, there's actually a calendar that you can get, one of those ones where you tear off the paper that has yeah. a hymn for each day and the story behind it. Oh, that's so great. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Because every hymn has a story. Yes, they sure do. I love that. In fact, we're going to probably be talking more about that yes. as we go along. Oh, definitely. So. <laughs> yes. Um, Fanny, but Fanny knew this was a gift of God. She knew this wasn't her, just her, even though, you know, she was praised all the time for her brilliant mind and all of that. She knew this was the Lord. She said that some of my hymns have been dictated by the blessed Holy Spirit. I have no doubt that others have been the result of deep meditation. I know to be true, but that the poet has any right to claim special merit for himself is certainly presumptuous. And so she really made it clear. This is the Lord. This is not something that I could have done on my own. And again, because she presented herself in her blindness and with her, you know, in her weakness, she allowed the Lord to be made strong and he delivered on that, you know? And so- Okay, now can we just talk about mm -hmm. kind of the sad things? She mm -hmm. uh, she got pregnant in her marriage mm -hmm. with Alexander yes. Van Elston yes. and they lost, they lost their the little baby. girl. Yeah, They lost her. And after that, their marriage kind of fell apart, mm -hmm. but they remained very close friends, but realized, I mean, you've got two musical kind of geniuses yeah. that are both blind and they realized they couldn't live together. But they stayed super good friends and continued to collaborate so on sweet. music, even though they didn't li live in the same house. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's It's remarkable. Again, yes. these people and, all have struggles right. that we were talking about. And she about. never remarried yeah. what they felt like the Lord had called them to do. Crazy. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just so remarkable. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. amazing. So um, this is something you had mentioned before about, you know, how, or maybe I, I don't know, we both kind of talked about how hymns. Uh, do bring doctrine and teach us a doctrine, like you were saying about Elizabeth Elliot. Fanny said, I determined that many people will read a song who will never read a sermon, or mm -hmm. sorry, sing a song who will That's never right. read a sermon. That's right. So good. And it's so true that that is such a door for the gospel. Um, the, her hymns were used by the British Soldiers Christian Association. Troops would recite hymns to each other, at, you know, would encourage each other. Uh, when they were out on in the bat on the battlefield, um, in her later years, Fanny became active in public speaking as well as working among the poor in New York because she was known by this time, mm -hmm. like again for mm -hmm. her hymn writing. And and as we mentioned before, she actually would even choose as a blind woman to live in tenement buildings near the poor areas of town, even though she could have afforded something better because she wanted to be there in the mix with the people. Um, she visited local missions. She'd sit in the services and just chat with the people, share Jesus with them. And then sometimes she'd get asked to speak. And whenever she began a talk, she would say, God bless your dear hearts. I'm so happy to be with you. So cute. Um, in fact, during one of these visits to a mission, like you were saying about that every hymn has a story. There, uh, She was inspired to write the hymn, Rescue the Perishing, which was a really popular one back then because of a young man that had come up to her and said, my mom's been praying for me for years and I know I'm not living as I should and, mm -hmm. you know, really wanted to get right with Christ. And that inspired 
that hymn. And through it all, again, as we've said over and over, she thanked the Lord for her blindness. And she knew, she said, if perfect sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it because I would not have sung hymns to the praise of God if Mm -hmm. I was distracted by the beautiful, interesting things around me. Mm -hmm. So amazing. Because she had an active mind. She had such an active mind. And I love that she had such a life of joy and hope in the midst of what really could have been difficult, bitter trials, disappointments. Like I like I was saying before, we all have a choice how we're going to handle our circumstances because so many things are out of our control. But when we choose to give those to the Lord um, for his purposes and his glory, there's no telling what he can do with those things. And so here she is, you know, she has every reason to be self-centered, downcast, bitter, but she chose to live for the glory of God and in service to others. And she said, where selfishness is, their happiness cannot be found. And so I, I just want to. That's wanna, so true. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know, right? That's a dagger right there. <laughs> so just you know, in wrapping up with her, uh, Fanny passed away February of 1915, February 12th. I just realized that's my sister's birthday. Anyway, <laughs> at the age of 95. That's what I was going to mention. 95. 95. And as Cheryl mentioned earlier, you know, she or the first sight. It's so cool to think the first sight that greeted her was her the face of her Lord. You Jesus know what? Christ. She never got to see herself age. Because she just, when she opened her eyes, she was gorgeous. No wonder she had joy. Yeah, she (laughs) was gorgeous. Like no lines, no age. She never saw gray hair. I love it. You know, never Uh, knew if she was fat or thin or, What a beautiful thing. Yeah. So um, her words in the hymn, Saved by Grace, I think really capture, you know, so well what her, probably her experience was when she got to heaven, what she hoped to see. Right. Someday the silver cord will break and I no more as now shall sing, but oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. So that is the wonderful Fanny Crosby. Um, I have We have some books. I, I actually got this from a whole bunch of random sources, but there's a book called Safe in the Arms of Jesus, uh, a book called Fanny Crosby, the Hymn Writer, and another uh, book called Blessed Assurance, the Life and Hymns of Fanny Crosby, which might tell some of those stories of those hymns. Right. And uh, hymnology. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think the first time that too. I ever heard of um Many of these hymn writers, I was thinking these others, yeah, yeah. is by um, is by one of those books. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of them. We should probably, we'll put it on the website. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw some. all that up there for you guys. Yes. So, so thank you for joining <laughs> us today with um, Women Worth Knowing because yes. Frances Crosby is definitely <laughs> a woman worth knowing. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.